first Sunday of 2018. I keep writing 2017 and thinking 2017, but we're in 2018. We'll all have these kind of that new enthusiasm of new year, new me. You know, I'm going to hit the gym. It's always the um, busiest time for gym memberships and gym subscriptions for them to then disappear after a month, but also for us to eat better maybe or to have new strategies to look better. That's often what it is, or to feel better. And I just, I was, I was thinking and dwelling this week what if we were resolved to say as our resolution that this year yet will be the best year we have with God? That was our resolution instead of, I mean, great having these other resolutions, that's fine, hit the gym, all that kind of stuff, it's good, but what if we were to say this is going to be the best year ever with God? It doesn't mean it's an easy year, but in terms of our faith and our relationship with him, that we're going to trust him more than we ever have done before in 2018, both as individuals and as a church. And uh, I've been really struck by this little verse in Matthew chapter 6. And uh, me and Carl hadn't coordinated that in any way, shape or form, which is quite cool. Um, I felt the Lord almost whisper it to my soul this week. Um, and attempting to live out the truth of Matthew 6.33 is really hard. But it's that verse that Carl already spoke this morning. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. All the, all the other stuff that we're worrying about and the things that are going on in life, don't worry about those things. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And I was dwelling on that verse, and I thought, that's, a, that's an amazing verse, isn't it? But what does that look like? If we were to say, my resolution is I want to know God more, and I want to, I want to know this God maybe for the first time, or I've been following him for a long time, but I want to know him more. How do I seek first the kingdom? What's an example of that? And as I was kind of dwelling on um, what we could use, I was, I was drawn to Exodus chapter 14, which is where we'll be if you've got a Bible, um, and the story of Moses and how he leads the people from what is certain death across a Red Sea into new life. The story of Moses, for those that don't know, is um, he's a bit of a, a bit of a lad, a great guy, a bit of a hero of the faith, and uh, his people, the Israelites, have been in slavery for 400 years. So oppression, getting beaten, not really having any kind of standard of living, and this is by the land that is Egypt, which is the most powerful nation on earth at the time. Um, and so God uses Moses and leads the people out of Egypt and leads them through the wilderness. That's the story. Uh, Moses is following after God and leads them to freedom. And uh, as they're on their journey, they've been going a few days, uh, they come to this place where God sends them and the Red Sea is before them and there's all the hills and where they've come from behind them. And God tells them to camp out by the sea. Egypt at this point, they, they, they're not aware. Um, Pharaoh's let them go, but he changes his mind. And so what you end up with in this story and the point we get to and where I think we can see what seeking first the kingdom of God looks like and drawing a couple of things for us as a church for 2018 is they're camped by the Red Sea. So they've got sea on one side and behind them, chasing them down, is the finest army known to man. If you imagine the Israelites, men, women, children, old, young, it's not a fine army, and they're just kind of, you know, mooching along, walking along, and then they're being pursued by the greatest army of all time, seemingly, at that time, chariots, horses, like physically trained, battle-hardened warriors, so before them, death and the sea, behind them, death and Egypt, not looking pretty good, if they're thinking, uh, you know, I don't know what 
this next year is going to bring. They're probably thinking, what's the next five minutes going to bring? What's tomorrow going to bring? What's my life going to be like? And uh, it's in that situation that I think there's a few things that we can take. This is, this is what it says in Exodus chapter 14. It says this, When Pharaoh drew near, and the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die? What have you done to us in bringing us here? Is it not that we said to you in Egypt, leave us alone that we can serve the Egyptians? Leave us alone that we can carry on being slaves and oppressed and hurting? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians, they say, than to die in the wilderness. They're backed up, they're backed up against a wall, and they get really angry with Moses and therefore get really angry with God. They're like, I don't see a way out here. Why have we been brought? Why have we left Egypt? I had a home in Egypt. I had my family in Egypt. It was all okay. Why have you brought us here? They say, oh, there are not enough graves in Egypt. And anyone that's seen like the mummy or the mummy returns or any of those knows there's plenty of graves in Egypt. Like it's, if there was a nation that was known for like burying and killing people, it's Egypt. Right? There's loads of death and stuff happening there. So it can't be that uh, they were brought out for that reason. And the people are getting all angry and all frustrated. But Moses doesn't. Moses isn't moaning, saying, I should have just you know, stuck to my sheep herding. I should have just carried on doing what I was doing, going about my business. I wish I'd never led these people out of, out of Egypt and towards new life. Forget it. It's a waste of time. We're done in. Back up against the wall, Moses, who is an amazing example that we find in the Bible, doesn't do that at all. He keeps looking up and he looks not at the problems but at the, at the potential. Moses doesn't look back to Egypt but he looks forward. And the first thing I want to say when, as we're in 2018 is sometimes I think we need to forget. Not how good God is, not the grace of God, but sometimes we need to forget. 2017 for you, I don't know what it was like. It could have been an amazing year. It could have been your best year yet. It could have been a really difficult year. It could have been a year full of mistakes, full of those, I wish I'd said this, or I wish I'd done that, or I'm not worthy. I'm a, I'm a broken man. I'm a broken woman. I did this. I messed up yet again. Or it, the opposite is, oh, I wish I was still back in 2017. The glory days. We can't change the past. We can't undo what's happened. We can't remanufacture moves of God either. But what we can do is look forward. And actually, sometimes if we're so preoccupied with the past, we don't look forward. We don't look forward to, well, what is God going to do now? What's going to God do today? What's he going to do this year? How is he going to use me in these next days and in the days to come? You see, the people of Israel look back and go, oh, woe is me. It was better that I was there and life was better. And it wasn't, of course. It wasn't better for them. But they used the kind of circumstances to be downcast instead of full of hope. And Moses is different because he doesn't let the circumstance rule his emotion. He lets God rule his heart instead. And I think something, there's something to be said for forgetting Actually, yes, I made these mistakes in 2017 or 
I, I, I've, I've messed up, I've, I've done all this stuff, I, I've done that wrong. But actually that doesn't have to set the tone for us going forward, does it? If 2017 was a, a difficult year for whatever reason, it doesn't have to be as we go forward. That's what I love about the Bible, that if we come to God, if we ask for forgiveness, what do we get? Forgiveness, we get a, a new opportunity, a new day. And Moses gets it right here. He goes, actually, we're going to move forward. I'm going to view these people and, and where we've, our circumstance and our situation as God does. That the people of Israel, we're a loved people. That God has brought us safe this far. That he's watched over us every day. And if he's brought us safe to this point, what's he going to do with our future? Sometimes we need to forget the past and the stuff we beat ourselves up about and be reminded of God's grace for us to view people as God views people that people that can be forgiven and part of that is having a renewed focus I believe part of that is Moses was the most focused guy here when everyone else was losing their heads everyone else is panicking they're about to get speared in the side or they're going to drown and Moses is like this is what he says this is amazing right because had it been me this is the last thing I would have said and probably the last thing you would have said as well Fear not, Moses says. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. He's so confident in God. See the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians who you see today, you will never see again. That's a bold statement, isn't it? When they're right behind you, ready to kill you. The Lord will fight for you and you only have to be silent. It's an amazing response from someone who's amazingly focused on seeking first the kingdom of God. So focused on God, it's as if he sees the Egyptians and goes, not a, not a problem. God's got it. Not a problem. So focused on who God is. So focused on how amazing God is. God's going to fight for us. God's going to sort it out. Don't lose your heads. Moses is like, he's got it. Whereas I'd be like, right, I'm going across the sea by myself, fellas, ladies. You can stay here. I'm going without you. If you're not going to be full of faith, people of Israel, I'm done with you. Except Moses keeps his focus. And it's so important that when circumstances and stuff hits us, and there will be things this year, whether they're big things or minor things that hit us, that we don't lose our focus on seeking first the kingdom of God. That we don't lose our, actually, I'm here for God. I'm here to worship God. I'm here to honor him. Because we lose the big picture, don't we? I'll tell you a little bit of a story, which is, is not to my credit, but... It's kind of funny. And um, I don't know why it always involves driving, other than I've got issues, I think. And I need the Lord's help. So there's the first thing. Definitely do. But I was driving while sitting on the motorway, not really driving anywhere. Sat. And you know these smart motorways? Do we know those? That I believe are only as smart as the people that drive on them. So smart motorways. They're not smart motorways. And uh, for three, like four lanes, we're like, it's fine. And there's an accident up ahead and you get like 50 miles an hour. It's always optimistic and winds you up, doesn't it? It says minimum speed limit, 50. And you're like, I wish it was 50. I wish I was moving. And then in the outside lane, there's a big red X. We know what that means, don't we? No entry, no access. Get out of the lane. So that emergency vehicles can rock up the outside, get to the crash as quickly as possible. So for mile after mile after mile, I've been sat there moving really slowly. My temperature's going up a little bit, getting a bit frustrated because time after time in this outside lane with the red X, car after car is flying past. 
And they're doing like 70 or 8. It seemed like 70 anyway because I was sat still. They were absolutely flying. And with every car, I can feel myself like a little tiny... And then what happened, happened to be a BMW, but it's not a stereotype, it was a BMW. Five series, I believe. Male driver, wearing a suit. It's true. And uh, he was trying to be sneaky, I thought, because he was cruising up the outside lane at like five miles an hour. I think he was thinking, if I go slowly, no one will realize that I'm in this lane. And he, he got up to where I was, and I was tempted to like block the lane with my car, and I thought, no, it's petty, I won't do that. And he stopped right next to me. I thought, that's weird, there's a whole carriageway in front of him, he could carry on going. I thought, that's oh, the Lord, that. The Lord knows, he's convicted him, and he's stopped. He doesn't want to carry on going. But I couldn't help myself, and I kept doing this as I'm driving. Instead of my eyes forward, instead of focusing on what I'm supposed to be doing, I'm doing this. I've seen you. I know what you're doing. I know what you're up to. And he was gradually getting in front of me, you know, like a slow race. As if snails were racing. It was one of those. Like I'd move a tiny bit and he'd move a tiny bit. And he was getting beyond me. And it got to the point where I made the dreaded eye contact with him. I thought, oh, here we go. I've, I've gone too far now. I can't stop. I can't look away and pretend that I've not seen him. So my window was already down. So he wound down his window. And he was like, what are you looking at, mate? With like an expletive thrown in there. And I thought, oh, well, I've got to go big or go home here. So I took it upon myself to explain how the red X's work and how you're not supposed to be in that lane. You know, you could come across here, but you're not coming in front of me. But you can come across here behind me or you can reverse. And there was so much traffic behind him. And I was like looking at him like, not with a happy face. We'll put it like that. Like, what are you doing? The emergency, and at this point, there was like ambulances trying to get through and all sorts, and they couldn't. And after the expletives, and he looked at me and he went, what do you think I'm doing, mate? I'm a copper. And I thought, oh, no. I've just shouted at a policeman. Now, he said he was undercover or like off duty, and I'll take his word for it. And he was like, I'm stopping them all getting through. And I... And at that moment, I thought, right, well, what do I do now? So I was like, I'm really sorry, officer, you do a fantastic job. Wound up my window really quickly and then kept my eyes completely forward for the rest of the time. <laughs> and in that moment, I, I honestly thought, I was like, and actually a bit of a gap had like opened up in front of me because I was so busy looking over here, I'd lost my focus. I'd lost my cool. And I honestly felt God say to me, almost like a little, <laughs> there you go again, when will you learn? In the bigger pit, did it matter? No. Did it mean I was any longer getting to my journey? No. I lost my focus, I lost my cool, and therefore it just spiraled into a situation that didn't need to happen. Same happens when we lose our focus on God. We start looking at the world or minor things inconvenience us and we get a bit chipped up and we get a bit angry. We miss the point, we're here to seek first the kingdom. We're here to demonstrate the grace of God. That's what we're here for. That's what it's about. We have to keep our focus. We have to be like, I want to see the kingdom of heaven advance. So I've got to focus on it. I've got to pour my energy, my heart, my time into that. That we would see God do amazing things. Remind yourself of the grace of God. Remind yourself of how great God is. Just this morning, I was um, sat on the sofa and Evangeline came up to me and she placed a hand on mine. And it was funny because her hands, I've not got massive hands, but compared to her, they're huge. 
And I said, oh, you know, how does that make you feel? And I'm kind of putting words in her mouth a little bit. But she was like, oh, first she was like, oh, safe. And I thought, oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's nice. And then she said, you know, and I've got little hands, so I can move little things. And you've got big hands, you can move big things. And I thought, oh, it's a little bit like with God, actually. We need to remember God has big hands in one sense, that God is bigger than we give him credit for, that he's capable that whatever minor inconvenience or even major thing that happens in 2018, that we don't lose our focus on seeking first the kingdom. That if we seek first his kingdom, if we continue to follow him and be full of faith, he'll sort it out. Whatever that might be, that we're in safe hands. Moses goes on to say this. Well, this is what he says. I'll remind you, fear not, stand firm, see salvation, which God will work for you today. The Egyptians you see today, you'll never see them again. The Lord will fight for you. You only have to be silent. They're faced on both sides with an outcome they don't want. And Moses says, stand and watch. Don't take it into your own hands. Stand and watch. Huge faith in God to deliver them. It's almost as if he's saying, all right, Israel, now God's going to show up. Just watch what he can do. And of course, full of faith, a path is carved through them, for them. The impossible. Water is split and they walk through on dry land. You see, the more you know of God, the more your faith is built and you, you're full of faith in who God is. And he's great and he's capable and he can take care of things in your life. The more you realize he's a God who delivers the more you realize he's a God who saves. That he'll deliver us, that he'll save us. The more we invest in our relationship with God, the more we'll know that. The more we pray, the more we talk to God, the more we read our Bible and we hear God speaking to us. And a little bit of a plug here um, for the Bible in One Year app, if you've got a smartphone, download it on your phone. It's free. You even get um, Poirot speaking the Bible to you. How good is that? You know, if you're on a bit of a journey or whatever and you can't, you can't read for whatever reason, you can put Poirot on and he'll read it to you. The more time we spend pursuing God, the more time we spend in his presence, the more we'll know what he's like. The more our faith will be built. And you know, at the start of a new year, that's always psychologically at least a time to start new routines. What about getting stuck into the Bible every single day and praying every single day and pursuing the kingdom of God every single day. Because to seek first the kingdom is to seek first the king. There has to be a king or there's no kingdom. So it's to seek first the king. It's to seek first God. This is what it says, Hebrews 11. It says this of Moses. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt and he didn't fear the king's anger. He didn't fear Pharaoh's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on he who is invisible. How cool is that? Moses kept going because he kept his eyes on the king of kings. And with faith, we know this, don't we, comes action. It's great that our, we, want, we want our faith to be built in 2018, but that has to lead to action. That has to lead to the kingdom actually advancing. The Lord says this to Moses, why are you crying to me? Tell the people of Israel, go forward what God says to them go forward lift up your staff Moses stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it as if it's that easy 
<laughs> that's how God says it, no other explanation, that the people of Israel may go through on dry ground. Moses, people of God, go forward. Moses here still has to lift up his staff, doesn't he? Still has to, I always picture him kind of ramming it down a bit like Gandalf in Lord of the Rings, you know, you shall not pass, kind of like slamming down the staff and say it, and the, the waters divide. Moses still had to do that. God saves, God rescues, but we have to crack on. We have to do stuff. We have to be a blessing to people. We have to love people. We have to be full of grace and full of kindness. We have to put our faith into action. We can't just sit idly by. If the Bible is true and God is real, we have to do something with that. Right? It can't be something we just put off and say, oh, there's always next year. It's all right. We'll get there. This is something for the here and now to go forward. How do we do that? I think we demonstrate the grace of God in our character, in how we love, in how we speak, in how we believe the best, and a lot of the things that we talk about here at RK. I think it's in speaking out your faith, in telling people who Jesus is to you. I think it's in giving and being generous with your time, with your money, with your energy. It's things like getting involved with Christians against poverty, getting alongside the broken and the hurting and loving them and showing them the love of Jesus. These are practical ways that our faith leads to action. And you know what that action provides for people? Freedom. There are people who are sat in this room today that at the start of 2017 would be like the oppressed and, and, and caught up in Egypt. And then they've met Jesus, and it's as if they've passed through the Red Sea, and now they're in freedom. Now they have new life. That is what it is all about. Why do we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? So that lives change. So that people know Jesus. So that we know Jesus better. So that God's name's glorified in all the earth. So that eternal destinies are changed. Unapologetically as a church, it has to be about mission. It has to be about Jesus' name being lifted high. It has to be about people who are in bondage and, and, and stuck and downcast being set free. It has to be about those who are following Jesus, being built up in their faith and being people who bring freedom. This is what it says, the final verse of chapter 14. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. God did it, but Moses and company were involved. God did the rescuing. That's how the story goes. It's not a metaphorical, poetic story where, you know, this is an event that was kind of, it's poetry, so it's not real. This really happened. The sea split and the Israelites walked through. It's a true story, which shows us and demonstrates to us how God saves, takes people in darkness with no hope, stuck and only death is there and gives them new life gives them hope, gives them a second chance, gives them freedom. Once they were on that side, they never saw the Egyptians ever again. They were free. All that was behind them was done. They were a free people. God rescues his people from addiction, from hurt, from pain, and leads us to the promise of new life. Don't we want more of that? Yeah? Okay, good. Having a kingdom head, having that seek first the kingdom is thinking like that. Thinking, how can I make Jesus' name great here? 
at work, at home, with the people I'm meeting. It's rolling back the darkness. I love that expression that a car uses by proclaiming the good news of who Jesus is. The good news that we have a God who saves. That's what Christmas is all about, right? Celebrating the fact that God became man. Why did he become man? So that he could rescue us. Because he loves us. Because he doesn't want us caught up with all the stuff and all the rubbish and all our past and all the hurt and wants to give us a new life. Both now and in the future. And he does that, Jesus, by dying on the cross. And this is the thing as Christians, again, unapologetically, we should always be coming back to the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Why? Because it's the death and the resurrection of Jesus that saves. It's that event in all of human history that saves you. Nothing else. Great that he does all this other stuff, Jesus, but the fact that he dies in our place and he's raised to new life in our place so that we can have a fresh start, that we can have a new life, that we can be free. And I long, and I hope you long, and as a church that we long that we'll see people set free this year. There may be people here this morning, you're like, I'm feeling a bit, it's 2018. It's a new day today. It's the opportunity for God's grace to come into your life, for new life. Maybe whether that's for the first time we put our trust in Jesus and we ask for forgiveness and our faith is built, or whether it's for the thousandth time, that's what we do. We come back to him once again. So 2018 then, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his holiness, I think in part is to forget the past, not who you used to be. You're a new creation. God saved you. He loves you. Focus on God. Pour all your time, all your energy, all your effort into focusing on him this year. In, in building in new routines, whatever it might be. Be full of faith and action. Let your faith lead to something. And then proclaim freedom to those that are captive. I think if, if, we, if that's our aim for 2018... If that's something that as we get to the end of 2018 and we see that happening, that's a great year. They would have seen people set free. They would have seen faith built. That's, for me, a great year that would have gone forward by God's grace together as God's family.